We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. And from the capital of the South, welcome to you. This is the Run ATL Podcast. My name is Mike Cosentino. I am your host for this audio journey. Right away, I will answer the question that I know you have. He has returned. He is back. I am not alone. You are not a contract holdout. You are not MIA from your time away, D2. He joins us, and it is good to have you in studio after what I know has been a refreshing and a very satisfying vacation for you. Yeah, it's good to be back, and yeah, I, did, I was gone. I did get a bit of uh, some trail running, some mountain biking, some road cycling in as well. You know, had a little bit of you know Hurricane Florence that was potentially going to affect uh, my plans, and uh, I did do a little bit of a staycation just because there were some thunderstorms uh, where I was going to be, so I came back in a town. Luckily, I wasn't too far away, but you know, went back up to uh, North Carolina, did a uh, nice little hilly, mountainous uh, bike ride, which uh, I think it was more hilly and mountainous than it was nice and little. Just to look at all those adjectives that you threw at us, looking at the profile of that ride, that was the real deal. It was, and and, uh, it was one of those things that sometimes, as they say, ignorance is bliss, because had I seen that profile, I would not have signed up for it. Uh, But I'm glad I did, and actually... Uh, has inspired me to get back into in a, in a road cycling and uh, and just do a little bit more. I found that how, how much I missed it and how much and surprisingly the climbs. You know, I, I'm, in some of those instances, I was climbing for an hour or you, anywhere from fifty minutes to an hour on, two, on these two climbs, and it was it was it, it wasn't easy. It was definitely a challenge, but getting to the top and knowing that I was able to do it, I mean, it really kind of inspired me to to get out there and do more of it. That's awesome. You are a man of many talents. It was cool to see some of the pictures while you were gone. Obviously, the graphics and the details on Strava, whether it was a run or a ride, you got after it. Of course, a little bit of time here in Atlanta, maybe unplanned because of Hurricane Florence, but you're no worse for the wear. And there was other notable accomplishment in the world of endurance and long distance running while you were gone. Right, yeah. I mean, since the last time we uh, had our podcast, we had a world record at the marathon. You know, a new record be set by Iliad Kipchoge with two hours, one minute, and 39 seconds. Blazing fast and a really interesting setup for us because it was episode number one of this very broadcast where we talked about his effort to break two as part of Nike's project, and now here we are. Nothing that we talked about in episode one was part of that. This was not fictitious at all. It was the Berlin Marathon. It was run with the traditional competition as well as all of the recreational and very accomplished runners behind him from countries all over the world and all kinds of finishing times. This was the real deal and now a new world record at 26.2. Right. And the fact that he's sponsored by Nike, the timing for Nike right now couldn't be better because they're releasing on October 4th the shoe that actually broke the record. That is true. Tell us. You're also a product geek. So the the Nike uh, Vaporfly 4% Flyknit now. So it's the same shoe they had last year and that they did for Breaking 2, but now it's been upgraded with a Flyknit upper. So it has more of a breathable and more of a flexible and a better fit. But the fact that this is sort of like version 2 or maybe 1.5, you know, it's, um, you know, it's the shoe that uh, Ilya Kachogi, you know, one Berlin going into fall marathon. There you got people that are looking at you know qualifying for Boston at uh, Marine Corps, Chicago, uh, New York, all coming up in the fall. These this is a shoe that those people that are looking to PR to really compete. This is the shoe that they're going to they're, that they're like coveting that they want because they want that advantage to uh, set a new PR to qualify for Boston. And great news is. We're going to carry it. We're going to have it. It'll be available in select locations. It is $250. And for those of you that you know, going, wow, that's really kind of expensive shoe. I don't know that I really want to invest in that much. You know, there is the Zoomfly Flyknit that is now available at uh, at also at all of our locations. And 
It is basically the same shoe. It does have the fly knit upper. It's been upgraded to the carbon fiber plate, as is the, the same as the Vaporfly 4%. The difference is, is that it has the React midsole as opposed to the Zoom X midsole, and that's $160. So it's a much more affordable. So if you're still looking for a shoe to kind of get that edge on the on the race course as you qualify for Boston or set a new PR for a fall marathon, you have those options available. That I told you he was a product geek. You did not disappoint for all of you who are finding your inner Kipchoge this fall at a maybe full or half marathon distance. We feel very privileged at Big Peach Running Company to have those models. They are not available widespread. So to have access and be able to bring those to our guests is a privilege for us. Also a privilege for us, D2, just an opportunity to sit down with a friend and converse what we all care about so much. And that is making sure more and more people are in their fitness routine daily and weekly all the time. And that's what we did. And that's what we have coming up on this episode as our featured conversation is with Rami O'Day, a friend of ours, someone we've known for a long time. We've done some long national forest runs with him. We've participated in activities in his personal training studio, Formwell, in Dunwoody. He personally helped me get past what was a troubling season for my athletic endeavors, and that was with Achilles tendonitis that I didn't think I would ever shake. In fact, I was thinking about what language I may return to learning how to speak better or what musical instrument I might learn how to play because I felt like there was going to be a time where I just couldn't keep plowing the mileage that I was doing. Rami fixed me right up, put me back on the roads after some time. So I'm eternally grateful to him for that. He shares not only his insight, but also his enthusiasm as one of Atlanta's longest standing personal trainers, Formwell, as he'll mention, and as I can second, been around since 1999. And similar to running in probably every industry, whether you're in Silicon Valley or in the Southeast, things change year in and year out. So he has decades worth of experience. He walks us down a bit of a historical trail on what personal training is all about today and what it was like a number of years ago. He's very informative when it comes to what it takes, not just to get started, but to stick with it. He gives us some statistics that suggest this is what you need to do if you're really going to make a commitment and what science says is required if this is going to become a lifestyle and not just a season. So please, friends, do not go anywhere. We'll have that conversation with our friend Rami O'Day right after this short break. Fall is here and training starts now. As your runs get longer, you'll need additional fuel to power through those long runs and get you across the finish line. Everyone has different needs and tastes, so we recommend that you experiment with different gels, bars, and hydration products to see what works best for you. Stock up and save. Purchase 10 or more individual packets and save 10%. Buy a box and save 15%. Clubs and training groups can combine their discount for additional savings of up to 25% off. Come into any Big Peach Running Company location and stock up so you're ready for those long runs. And welcome back to the Run ATL Podcast. D2 and I very much appreciate you joining us on the backside of that break, and it is our full intent to make it very much worth your while. As promised in our introduction, a dear friend of ours, if you do not know him, you will feel like he is very much soon to be a friend of yours. We have Mm -hmm. Rami O'Day with us in studio. We are going to talk fun fitness with you, my friend. Thank you for being part of this. Well, thank you for having me, guys. I'm really excited. And full disclaimer to all of our listeners, D2 and I have known Rami for quite some time. This is going to be three friends talking about things that are very, very important to us, obviously very relevant to this broadcast, and you're just going to get the chance to listen in. But Rami, I told you before D2 fired up the mic that I had certain questions I wanted to ask you some that you and I have perhaps bantered about in the past, but this will give us a chance to unpack these things a little bit more fully. But we described you as a personal training expert. 
when we talked about having you on this show. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would say, okay, great, I get that. I understand what's personal, what might be personal to me. I understand training and the importance of it if I'm going to be, whether a recreational athlete or someone who's taking it very seriously. And certainly we hear the terms personal and training together. But to you, what is personal training? Help us better understand and please define for all of our listeners personal training as you see it. Well, that's a great question, Mike. And I think, um, can I give you a little history lesson? Please, first? no, please so do. This is a nine-hour podcast, right? So we're going to do it. No, I'm just kidding. That's exactly uh, right. With yeah. approximately eight and a half hours edited <laughs> okay, great. by D2. But yes, nine hours, please go on. Sounds great. So um, I've been in this industry actually for 25 years now, and um, we're coming up on 20 years of owning Formwell, um, personal training studio. And, um, you know, I got to tell you, things have really, really changed. And mostly in the last six or seven years, uh, when I started, started the gym in 1999, it was what you would really consider traditional personal training, one-on-one, private, it was very much for the elite. Um, you know, we were actually charging more for personal training in 1999 than we are now. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because wow, it was all one. Fascinating. Yeah. Because it was all one-on-one. And it was only for the rich and the rich. You know, nobody else got a personal trainer, right? Okay. And so, um, and that really continued that way. Uh, we grew the business and probably for the first till about 2006, 2007 um, with that model. It was one-on-one, um, half hour to one hour sessions. Uh, we really focused on general fitness. Um, so personal training was exactly what you saw almost on in the soap operas. You know, when you see people come in and they're working one-on-one with a trainer and they have certain goals, whether it's weight loss or preparing for a run or, um, you know, trying to get healthy after going to a bad doctor's visit or whatever it is. But it was very much the relationship with that trainer, who, by the way, we now call coaches. So we've okay. switched over the vernacular. And you'll see why when is I tell you the history lesson. Is that specific Formwell or is that a pretty industry I'd, standard? I'd say it's point. 25 to 30% of the industry now. So okay. a lot of the industry is still doing exactly what I just told you. So I go to the conferences and it's shocking to me that people are still doing what we did 20 years ago. Um, but, you know, it works if you're in an environment where people can afford 80 to $100 a session for one-on-one training. Um and so, you know, a few years ago, we started moving over our model to more of a group setting. Um, there were a lot of reasons for this. A lot of it was financial, both on our end and also on the client's end. Um, and then we learned a lot of other benefits from it. But that, you know, if you, if you had to describe personal training, what somebody might think it is, where it is a coach, you know, or a trainer working with that one person, talking the whole time, having a conversation, they get to really know each other. I mean, a lot of when I was training full-time, a lot of my clients became my best friends um, because I spent more time with them than some other people, right? You know, three times a week, like constantly. Um, But we developed it and, you know, this this small group training has been around, but it's been more of like the boot camp type thing, which is more like 20 or 30 people. Mm -hmm. We started developing, we started it with partner training where somebody would bring in a friend um, or a husband, wife, or even a mother and a daughter or a father and a son or something like that. And then we started to grow it from there. And what we realized, it was one of those few things in business that was truly a win-win-win. It was better for the gym because we were seeing four people in an hour versus one. Um, It was better for the client. They not only got a much less expensive session because we could cut the price down, but also it was more fun. Like they were interacting not just with their coach, uh, but also with the other people there. So you're tripling or quadrupling the, the accountability. And then it actually ended up being really good for the coach because we can pay them more because they're seeing more than one person at once, um, you know, because we can pay them on that person. So it was really great for everybody. It's not for everyone. Um, it, we've developed, it took us probably two to three years to kind of morph our, you know, you figure we had well over 300 active members that were all doing one-on-one. We had 15 coaches on the floor doing one-on-one training and now we have about the same amount of clients and we have three coaches on the floor. So everybody is obviously working with so many more people. But yep. at the same time, to your point, Rami, these people are interacting with far more people each time yep. they're in your facility or they're around you. Yeah. And I'll tell you, Mike, we we call it small group personal training just so people really it's kind of a search term on the Internet. People are still searching personal training. But it's not what you would traditionally see. So it really has morphed. And this is, like I said, this is my business. Um, This is the top businesses when you go to the conferences are all doing this. But it's a very, very hard transition. 
it's super easy if you start your gym. I would say CrossFit is a great example. There's no one-on-one -on -one training in CrossFit. It's groups of 10 to 30 people in a group. They started that way. Everybody knows that's the way it's going to be. That's why they go there. With us, we had to transition over people, which was very, very difficult. But now everyone loves it. Everyone does. Well, and one of the things that I love when we get a chance to converse is just we share that entrepreneurial spirit, that business ownership where the whole who moved my cheese. Right. And so this is something that I want to kind of dive into really for the listener more so than for me. And the reason I say that is because you use the term CrossFit. There's also another enterprise that has been very popular as of late, I think for good reason, Orange Theory Fitness. But yep. there are terms such as boot camp. You mentioned that earlier. I'm familiar with class passes and there's yep. group fitness in general. And you've obviously migrated in a manner that suggests that some of those approaches, those practices, if not here to stay forever, are at least here for now in a meaningful way and can have an impact Right. on how someone incorporates fitness into their daily or at least their weekly routine. Yep. If you think about the fact that, yep, you have experience all the way back to when you started your organization in 1999, and now here we are more than halfway through 2018, mm -hmm. what is most rewarding for you as both the proprietor, and I know you personally are very much an active participant in this lifestyle to say, it was a tough transition, maybe for everyone, for my coaches, for some of my clients, maybe even for you and your family. Sure. But now that you're on the other side of that, what is so satisfying about culturally what's going on in and around fitness today? You know, it, that's a great question. And I thought about it a lot on the way over here is that, um, you know, the, the pat answer that everybody's going to say is the results with the, with the members, right? That them changing their lives, which absolutely is a big driver for me. I love it been doing it for 20 years, I never get tired of somebody walking in my office and saying, you changed my life. Um, how often do you get to hear that? You know, that people come awesome. in, you know, they come in, they see them twice a week for 45 minutes and you change their life. Or somebody, and so, at some points this is sort of sad, but they walk in and say, this is the best part of my day. You know, and I think, what's the rest of your day like? You know, but, but it is true, like, and that's, that is one of the mantras in our business is that when they walk through our door, it is the best part of their day. We're never in a bad mood. It's always going to be great. We know their name. They're going to have fun. They're going to get, they're going to get sweaty. They're going to work out. Obviously, they're going to get it, but it's not what you would traditionally think of it. Um, and so, and the other thing that's happened more recently, probably in the last five years, is we've really been able to start giving back. And that is very rewarding for me. So we're doing a ton of charity work. Um, and I'll talk about some of that in specifics later if you want to. But some really, really fun things. Throw a term out, the burpee beer mile. I'm just going to throw that out there. We might have to wow. talk about that All one right. later. Burpees so, yeah, and yeah. beer miles. Burpees and Not beer. Not oftentimes paired together. <laughs> exactly. You will definitely have to let us know yeah, so I'll just, what is going on A little on foreshadowing there <laughs> on that one. So, so that's soup. I'd say that right now, if somebody asks me what's the most fulfilling, what gets me out of bed at 4 o'clock in the morning and gets me to go in, is um, you know the results with the members and also being able to give back to the community and just and you know this Mike from your business having that vehicle that yeah I can give back on my own and I do it but the the volume of what I can do having the business is so much bigger you know of, of being able to help others not just in our gym but also outside of the club people that are in need well so you're great. incredibly generous and and one of the things we'll encourage people to do is to check out your book. You're also a published author, Quiet the Noise. I call it more of a magazine, but okay, yeah, you can call it a book. <laughs> well, a magazine, a publication, nonetheless, it actually is a book you can find in every Big Peach running company store, certainly something D2 and I have embraced. But before we go to some of the things that you're doing in the community, you've given me the perfect platform to launch into another question that I wanted to ask. And you talked about that man or woman who comes into your office and says, you changed my life. Mm -hmm. Now at Big Peach Running Company, we have the good fortune of seeing and hearing and even feeling those stories on a regular basis. And, and I love saying what oftentimes is along the lines of the Wizard of Oz, where truly like Dorothy indicated, a pair of shoes can truly change your life, yep. right? That what you did do before those shoes is different than what you're doing now that you have this new pair that might've come from Big Peach Running Company. But I doubt we see it or hear about it as often as you do because you're in the midst of all the hard work. Right. We get a chance to help equip. We get a chance to help provide people some optimism and some real reason to take those first steps. But we're not oftentimes at that point of perspiration like you and your team are. Mm -hmm. So thinking about those individuals who have truly changed their lives, even maybe transformed who they are and now are just on the other side of 
disappointment or on the other side of a challenging season in their life or perhaps even depression or you know what would have been considered an unhealthy weight or lifestyle what are some of the keys what are some of the secrets that you're like wow when i think about all these stories when i think about why i'm so proud of the work we've done there are these items or perhaps this one thing mm -hmm. that is pretty consistent across them all for that person who's not yet taken that step or for somebody we all know or that our listeners know needs to hear this advice yep. what would you say you have to do first or you have to commit to that's another great question and i'll tell you um you know i think we know this because our world is so complicated now we were lamenting about how much younger these two men are than me before this podcast <laughs> oh, started man. you we know like to hear that very so, often uh, yeah this is a... how much younger we are than any of our future yeah. conversations so being is not the, something we hear very often right being the elder at the table you know so um but you know it it's incredible to see how complicated people make this stuff and it is not complicated and i think we're so inundated with so many choices. You named like four gyms before um, that, you know, I'll give you a really amazing stat to give you an idea of how complicated and how many choices people have now and how, how it's so much. They, they overthink it, I think, is the biggest thing. When I started in this business, there were 10 other studios in all of Atlanta. So that was me and Dunwoody, and there were nine other ones. I now have 19 within a 12-minute drive of me. Not not 12 miles, a 12-minute drive. I have 19. That says something in Atlanta if yeah. you can get somewhere in 12 minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that could be like a, right next door, that's you know? That's exactly right. Um, and the other stat that's amazing is that there's only 15% of the people in the United States belong to a gym. So in the last 20 years, we've been able to increase that to 16%. So we have penetrated one more percent into the 330 million people in the United States. The competition for that one percent has gone up 300 percent. Wow. So think about those numbers. So think about how confused somebody is. They're driving past seven gyms to get to my place. They're, they're on the Internet. They've got the infomercials. They don't know what, you know what to eat or what to do. I think one of the biggest things by far is to simplify it and tell people, and we say this all the time, just show up. Walk in the door. If we can get you in our door, and by the way, that is the hardest thing in business now, is to get somebody from the internet, from a radio ad, from a sign, whatever, to actually walk through the door. If you show up, you will change your life. The people that don't change are the ones that don't show up. They're, they're being pulled in. You talked about ClassPass. We use ClassPass, and we people come in. They're going to nine different places. They're going to yoga one night. They're going to this another night or they're not even showing up for a week and then they're doing something mixed up and they're not consistent, right? So they're not showing up and they're not consistent with it. So number one, every single person that comes to my office and says they changed their life, they showed up. And here's a great thing that is the first thing we tell people that are freaked out when they walk in. So that's one of my biggest things that I love is if we can get somebody in, they walk in and they, you see them breathe a sigh of relief because we're not a 70,000 square foot lifetime or LA fitness where there's everybody's in spandex and looks fantastic and it's like a club. You know, we're just a regular place with normal people. Most of our people are 30 to 70 years old, regular fitness. They have this breathe a sigh of relief and we tell them all you have to do is show up here eight times a month. How attainable is that? Right? Where they walked in the door, what do you think they think they had to do? Five times a week. You know, five or every day. Well, and you know? breaking those barriers down, and, and one of the words I think oftentimes comes to mind for us at Big Peach Running Company, and that I can absolutely, and this is not a shameless plug, but I've been to Formwell on numerous occasions. Not in a while, Mike. The, not in a while. Not I'm just going to throw that, that out true. there. there I'm going to tell that to the masses right now. Considerations that yeah. have, but it's not uh -huh. for lack of confidence for sure. Here's what I would say the term intimidation oftentimes prevents people to come to a place like Big Peach running company because they believe that everyone's training for the runners. Olympic trials right. or everyone can do a 225 marathon. And by the time all of our guests leave, I believe if they came in intimidated, they leave feeling yep. like, wow, I have new friends here. Yep. This is a place that's for me. It's a community. And it's the same thing yep. at Formwell. That I know. The intimidation of being able to pull the door outward on day one and take that step inward yep. is oftentimes the biggest challenge. That's it. But then you said consistency. Right. Eight times a month. Eight times a month. That is consistency with a metric associated with it and something that I believe D2 and I would say is very, very achievable for anyone. Whether they've ever listened to this podcast 
or not. You don't have to be a run ATL. Yep. You do not have to be a big peach running company, you know, guest of some magnitude for the last decade plus. Tomorrow is fine, and you can make that eight plus yep. or eight times a month. Yep. And it's it's so attainable because hey, if you only make it in once this week, guess what? We need to see you three times next week. It's an average, right? Um, but it's, you know, I know every single metric in our industry as you do too. And that is the metric where the drop off occurs when people quit gyms. It's eight times a month. If they come in 7.8 times a month, they will quit within three months. So DC, I'm going to put results. you on the spot using that because I love that number. How many times a month do you believe that you exercise or do something that's specific to your fitness routine? It may or may not be the same thing. It may or may not be going for a run, but certainly I would include that. How many times approximately? This doesn't need to have any science behind it each month for uh, I would, you. I would say that the minimum for me is probably twice a week. Okay. As far as, you know, if it's if, you know, including running, the minimum that right. I would run would be twice a week. Otherwise, I feel like I'm not doing anything. And then are you in those weeks that it's two times? Are there other things? Or would you say, no, there are weeks that twice a week and then the other five days, there's nothing? Um, I would say there's always something. So if I'm not running, you know, more than, you know, if I'm only running twice a week, it might be that the other day, you know, the third day might be because I'm, I'm biking. It might be that I'm doing some other type of workout, you know, things like going down to the November project and, and doing one of their group, uh, you know, uh, you know, trainings. Uh, it could be a variety of different things, but, you know, whether it's, you know, doing things like TRX at home, I'm supplementing and doing something so that I don't feel like, I'm out of shape because I didn't get a run in because I might be recovering. I may have had slept, you know, badly the night before. I'm like, oh yeah, I really want to get up and run this morning, but you know what? I didn't get enough sleep last night, and I feel if I go out, I'm just going to, you know, right. you know, hurting myself or putting myself, you know, it, you know, digging a hole later on. So this is what our loyal listeners know. D two and I do very little prep between the two of us before we turn the mic on. You walked perfectly into what I was hoping would be the case because you drew out the two things that I wanted you to. First of all, eight probably seems like a relatively low number per month to you because each week you may be running twice a month and then you're supplementing that with a variety of other activities and you're easily at four or five or perhaps even more days per week. And for that person right now where eight seems, wow, that's a lot each month, here's what we would say to you. Here's what we would ask you to encourage others. Before you know it, eight will not seem like that much or that intimidating. Whether you ever yeah. surpass that number or not, please, please, please do not be intimidated by that number. It is so achievable and eventually you'll be just like D2 where you'll be at eight like that. And before you know it, eight turns into 15 per month or some number that just works for you. The other thing you did and why I want Rami now to help us better understand how we mix what you do into our routine. You said you might run twice a week. I know there are weeks where you're running four or four times, four or five times. Mm -hmm. But you also do that TRX at home. You also do those other workouts outside of where you're living or where you're working. Rami, knowing that this is the Run ATL podcast, but we're not suggesting right. everybody just throw mileage at it all the time or run six or seven days a week and call themselves perfect on their fitness. Right. What is that balance? What is that relationship that should exist between personal training or group fitness or anything else that you have a real eye mm -hmm. on right now and running that I know you are very much a runner. I know yep. you work with a lot of runners of a lot of different levels, whether they're just getting started, whether they're walking most of their miles or some of the elite athletes that you work with. Yep. How do you strike that balance between running and non-running, but still fitness or personal training? That's, that's great. Um, and so... It is really good in our relationship with you. We've gotten more and more runners over the years and of all levels, brand new runners to elite, you know, sub three hour marathoners, things like that. Um, you know, the biggest fear for a runner who is a pure runner is what I hear when they walk in is they don't want to be sore. I don't want to put on a lot of muscle. I don't want to add weight because weight and running don't work well together. Um, I think it's going to tighten me up. So I'm going to lose my stride. Um, those are all myths. They can happen, but they're not happening because you're weight training. So one of the first things we do is dispel myths. When you talked about success, the people that are successful in our club, you can ask them all these questions and they answer exactly like I do. They know what the myths are and what reality is. And so for most runners, um, cross training, like you talked about biking or TRX or, you know, which is just a form of body weight training. Um, is going to be so beneficial. It's not. It's going to help them more than anything. And I use myself as an example. And Mike and I, you've not, you and I have talked about this forever. I probably outweigh Mike by 
Mike, what do you weigh nowadays? So here's what I will say. <laughs> I'm going to throw this I out actually, there. So I weigh about 100. <laughs> I'm 100 years older than you. and 47, and you are and 100 years older than me, not right. nearly as good looking. But right. all that aside, we're glad you're here. So I'm going to actually <laughs> use this opportunity as a way to compliment you. Oh, my and gosh. And here's why I will do this. For we are recording this, right? Who believe, yes, yeah. we may edit this out later. I may yeah. have second thoughts about this. But nonetheless, <laughs> Rami is not what you would say the ideal or perhaps the stereotypical runner's frame. How tall are you? 6'2". And what do you weigh? About 205. So 205 and 6'2". We get so many people, whether it's in the grocery store or someplace well outside of our stores, it's like, well, I'm not a runner because my body type wouldn't allow for it. Or look at me, I could never be a runner. Mm -hmm. And you are that living, breathing, practicing example that that's not necessarily true. So I'm going to let you finish your answer about why fitness and running do go well together, how we make them work as optimally as possible together. But I also then want to make it a little bit more personal because you're my wonderful example of someone who does not look like a runner, Mm -hmm. but obviously has achieved real running accomplishment, whether it's the distance, whether it's some of your achievements, including 100 milers, or whether it's just your consistency without these long periods of time off because of injury or discomfort. But first, let's get back to the balance that might exist or the pursuit of doing both, general fitness and a running routine. Yeah, and I think, again, it's it's the misconception, right? So it's when people are walking in the gym, they think they have to work out six times a week. They find out it's eight times a month. Big relief, they can do this. Well, runners come in and they're looking at uh, bodybuilding magazines. They're going, I can't look like that. And I'm saying to them, you're not going to look like that. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have enough money for the things that they eat and, and whatnot to look like that. And you're going to be running so much, you're not going to build that kind of muscle. So the misconception of what weight training is versus like what it was, which was more traditional bodybuilding type training. What we do, Mike, you know this from personal experience, is more total body functional training. Um, You're working every muscle group when you're in there. You're doing flexibility work. You're doing mobility work. You're doing uh, functional warm-up. You're doing stretching. This is all in 45 minutes. You are not doing mass building. You know, when you look at the guys in the magazines where people are afraid, it's like why women didn't used to weight train and now they all know better that you actually get smaller and leaner when you weight train versus bigger. Um, This is not the plan they're doing. Those guys are doing two hours of just chest, right? And we are doing everything in 45 minutes. So we are not in something that's going to put on mass. So when a runner comes in, um, or anyone really, we're like, hey, we're, we want you to be more functional. Now, I won't lie, we get people who want to get bigger or you know, want the aesthetic. We have people that want to be on stage and things like that, but that's a really small percentage of our population. Most of our people just want to feel better. And then the runners want it, they want number one is injury uh, prevention. And that's where weight training is massive. So again, that eight times a month, of just 45 minutes, twice a week, total body, and we'll modify it. Like I've got a guy I'm working with now who's going to do the Pine Mountain. It's 46 now. I think it used to be the Pine Mountain That's 40. Yep, it used yep. to be at 50 I, at one point. And I beat you in that 40. race, Mike. I'm just going to tell you. He did drop out, but I did that, beat him. I counted. I counted. That is just, true. Just that throwing that out there. That was years ago now. Yeah, that was about 100 years ago. Yeah, that was my age. Yeah, years ago. Um, but anyway, I'm training him for it. And his biggest, he's like, oh, I can't do legs anymore because I'm going to be sore or I can't train, you know, f- three times a week. And I'm like, actually, none of that matters. You're going to be fine. I said, but I've modified it. He's not doing a hard leg workout on a Friday and then running 30 miles on a Saturday. It's just not happening. So we adjust things accordingly, depending on the level. But most of our runners, most of the guys, they just want to do the peach tree. You know, they're not and they want to just finish. Like I want to break an hour in the peach tree. Every single one of them says that the weight training helped them. Because, and again, remember the age of my active, most of our active clients are 30 to 70. So, and I I use myself as an example. We talked about this. I've tried high mileage at my size and all it did was break my body down. I didn't get any faster. I really did. I got maybe a little more aerobically fitter, but I got, I had more injuries than ever. When I cut my mileage down and supplemented with weight training, and ironically, really heavy weight training, you know, they used to say, oh, if you're a runner, do lightweights, like hundreds of repetitions, that's actually worse for you. So what we do is much more like strength training, heavy duty, where when you keep those reps low and the weight high, it sounds counterintuitive, but you're actually not putting on mass. When you, when you, if you wanted to, if you came to me, Dave, and said, hey, I want to put on 10 pounds of muscle, you'd be in a 10 to 15 rep range, and I would add 1,000 to 1,500 calories to your diet every day. 
Well, I'm not doing that with runners. So he might like that, cool. actually. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, that sounds good. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, don't need any more weight. Yeah, you go. Well, but it, say that was his goal. But if a runner comes to us, it's not going to happen with the miles that's coming in. They're just not going to do it. They're not. We've never had, never in our history, had a runner come in and go. I've added too much bulk. We need to slow down. You know, all they've said is I've gotten stronger. So, so that's the key. So let's talk about you and you You did a nice job of alluding to it already. And that is that for you, your personal experience was when yep. you were just throwing high mileage at it, it wasn't enough. But Didn't for work. others who are maybe like you and like mm-hmm. you is going to be this general, I'm not built like a runner. Right. And that statement, of course, brings in stereotypes and all kinds of inaccuracies and myths that deserve to be dispelled. But there's that statement nonetheless that's being made every day. I'm not built for running. Right. What would you say to that person? Or what would you recommend the Big Peach Running Company start saying to those people? Because I would say you're not built for running if right. I were to buy into that myth or believe that stereotype. Right. And I would say, just like people say, I can't weight train or I can't do this, everybody can do it. Okay. Everybody. I, I cannot tell you how many people come into my gym and said, oh, I can't squat. You know, my doctor told me I can't squat. My knees hurt. I can't squat. These people are now squatting 150 pounds or, or more and, and loving it. Like it's their favorite exercise. That can't word is one of my least favorite words in existence. You can tell me you don't want to. That's a whole different story. But don't tell me you can't. Same thing with running. I think most of us were introduced to running. You know, it's funny. I coach cross country at my kid's school. And my opening lecture, which is probably not the best lecture on earth, is what sport do other sports use for punishment? When you do something wrong, running, running, yeah. right? So what does that tell you about running? It sucks, right? You know, that's, it's that's, it's hard. It's difficult. It takes time to get good at yeah, it, to get better and, at it, to enjoy it more. Yeah. And people, you know, a couple of things, we can go down a rabbit hole of the society we're in of not wanting hard to do difficult things, but really the acceptance that it's not going to be easy is the number one thing. But also we were all thrown into it. At least I was. Somebody said, you want to learn to run? Go run 40 minutes. I'd never run in my life. How do you think that worked out? I was, back then, I was relatively small compared to where I am now. And still, go run 40 minutes when you've never run. I think I couldn't walk for a week. So what do you tell people is, I want you to walk a minute and run a minute. And walk a minute and run a minute for 10 minutes. That's your run today. And they're like, oh, I can do that. And all of a sudden, it's just like the eight times a month. It's attainable. And then we know you build on that. So I would tell everybody, if you really, if your dream, you always wanted to run the peach tree, you know, um, and that's the beauty of it. And then the other thing, too, is you can end up and retire into ultra running like I've done. So then you can just walk the whole thing and it's fine. You know, and everybody's walking and <laughs> stopping and drinking beer at the aid stations. But, you know, it's um, it, I, I think we keep getting back to the same thing, Mike, is misconceptions. It's the, the media or whatever, what they've been told or their coaches have told them all this stuff about it. And it's just not true. And I love when I hear from somebody when they come in and say, I thought X and you guys showed me Y and now I can do this. And you guys do the same thing, you know, so. So one other area that I believe we have common ground, and that is this fun mm-hmm. inclusion in the routine, in the workplace, in the client and guest relationship. That didn't seem to exist a couple of decades ago. Nope. It was serious business. Yep. It was a workout whether it was 45 minutes or longer, but it was perspiration from the first moment all the way until when you handed yep. them the towel yep. and took the payment. No pain, no Now gain. I see <laughs> you're doing your own 5K as you're yep. raising money for a very worthy cause. You mentioned burpees and beer miles. Yep. I know you do socials for your client roster. Right. I've been witness to some of the cool activities that you do that are not centered around how many push-ups or how long you can kind of stay in the squat position, but instead putting those activities in the midst of something that would really be the highlight as to why somebody shows up at Formwell. What is the role of fun these days for Formwell or perhaps for the entire industry? Well, it is for everybody. And I tell you, let's go back to those stats I talked about with competition, right? So when I started, what separated us, all I had to do, I was in a tiny little space, all I had to do was search, and this was not easy to do, and find the best coaches or best trainers that I could find. We were the only gym in town that had certified and degreed trainers, and we've kept that for 20 years, right? They have to have a bachelor's degree, they have to be nationally certified. That was our differentiator, and that's all we needed. We got. I was working at Northside Hospital, no one would go anywhere else because they're like, oh, they have the ACSM certified trainers, nobody else has those. I mean, Concourse didn't have them, no one did. 
That was our differentiator. We never did anything social. People came and left. They came, worked out, left. We might have had one party a year, right? Well, now we've learned, and again, you know, and that was under the membership appreciation. Guys. Yeah, yeah. In it. fact, I think you paid for it when you came in. You know, yeah, fifty bucks to walk in the door. But now, every single person that comes in mentions community in their initial onboarding. That that's what they're looking for, especially people who just moved to Atlanta. It's so crowded, traffic's terrible. They want to find a community. And we provide that. So you mentioned that we do a social night the last Thursday of every month. It's right after one of our uh, large group classes because we do those also. That's a supplement to our small group training. Um, and, you know, we provide beer and wine and people bring food. It's usually a potluck and it's great. They bring their families they bring their friends. Uh, we do that once a month. We do uh, a charity event every quarter. So we're doing four a year now. Uh, people love it. They just love being part of something like that. Uh, the the fun nature of it, the the outdoor activities, the the getting people involved, is more important to people than their PRs. It is way more important, and it is the differentiator. We talked about all those other gyms that are near me. Some of them have this, but a lot of them don't. And they're just they're still in that hardcore mentality that people are just here to work out. And there are those people, but it's a small percentage. And I think getting and I don't smaller. want that small. Yeah. I would agree. A core value at Big Peach Running Company is we take fun seriously. Yeah. Alpinist Mark Twight said it doesn't have to be fun to be fun. And at the same time, right. I think that really links the pursuit of something that is difficult. Yeah. Working out is not inherently easy. At the same time, if you weave in these other activities that are a sense of community, that do bring along this real indication of enjoyment and spending time with people you care about in ways you otherwise would not have, right. that has real impact. Before we let you go, Rami, yep. you mentioned burpees and beer miles. Yes, got to talk about things. it. So do not leave us hanging <laughs> and not knowing what that's all about. So I actually wrote these down because we've done so many. So we've done um, a few things we do. You mentioned we did our first 5K and that was um, you helped sponsor that. And we um, each person that that entered, we gave a blessing bag to the homeless as part of their entry. So that awesome. was wonderful. And we got over 150 of those because people bought extras and all that. So that was great. Um, every year we do, um, I also donate a percentage of my book sales to the homeless in Atlanta. Uh, we do a Christmas workout. That's our largest workout. It's called the 12 Days of Christmas. You guys have to come. You have to drink eggnog After you're done. More of that <laughs> yeah. fun that we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Last year we had 105 people in our gym and Mike knows we're, we're a fairly large studio or 7,000 square feet, but 105 people, there was a lot of eggnog on the floor. So, <laughs> but we've done that for 10 years. That started with just 10 people and now it's 100. We just recently did a dance-off, which was hilarious. And we raised money over $1,200 and plus um, feminine products for women in need. So that's a big need that I didn't actually even know about that one of our clients is passionate about. And we did an actual dance-off like um, So You Think You Can Dance. And people voted. And my daughter did dancing. And it was phenomenal. But the famous one is the Burpee Beer Mile that we started four years ago. And that one... Started with a friend. Um, you're all familiar with the Beer Mile, right? It's an na- international event. Guy just got DQ'd. Did you see that? That was pretty not. funny. Yeah, that's a whole other subject. He didn't so drink, look for he didn't that in our whole... show notes. DQ ran, and I have research to do. He did a 440, we'll right? 440. And then, and then, then but he didn't finish all of his beers. So oh, he got DQ'd. Yeah. yeah. So that's in the show notes. Do a link to that. It's a pretty funny YouTube. So... So we decided because we're Formwell, we would do a Beer Mile as a fundraiser. But of course, we would add stuff to it. So basically... And again, I think, Mike, getting back to the fun, um, everything we do is completely voluntary. So in the beer mile, we have a root beer category for kids. We, you don't have to do anything. You can come and just watch and donate 10 bucks and just laugh at us while we're doing it. You know, you don't have to participate because we've realized we can't put burpee in the title anymore. It turned off like 20 people, but you don't even have to do the burpees. Uh, we do it at the National Park. We do it at the Chattahoochee. We, we did it at Formwell the first year, and we're right next to the police station in Sandy Springs. And... They're all friends of ours, and they trained with us, and they said, let's do it somewhere else next year. So not that it's anything wrong. So anyway, so we added into this, um, instead of just drinking a beer and running a quarter mile, you drink a beer, um, you do 10 burpees, you do 10 push-ups, you do 10 squats, and you do 10 mountain climbers, and then you repeat that four times. Fun, huh? Wow. Talk I about fun doesn't have to be fun. Mile. And Mike will appreciate this. The first year... Uh, we did it for children's health care, and I wanted to save as much money as possible. Uh, so I didn't. I had a bunch of beer left over in my garage, 
So I figured, save money there, I could donate more money to children's healthcare. So I took all the beer that was in my garage, put it in a cooler, covered it with ice, didn't even look at it. Well, Mike, there were 10% porters in there. Yes. There were, uh, you know, some good Dale's Pale Ale. There was beer that was about a year old that had been in my garage. So... That it's a caused, real Duke's mix in it terms was. of what somebody was doing. And what I did was I covered the whole top of it with Mick Ultra. So the first round was all Mick Ultra, and then the second round got into the rear. So anyway, that's a lot a of I'm a devious man. man. So but it's one of the favorite events of everybody. We had about fifty people do it this year. Um and, and what time of the year on the calendar? We do it in the summer. Do it in so the summer. We do in the so summer. just passed. Yeah, usually it was in June this year. And then um we did it at the park, and again, families were there, and it was super, super fun. Everybody brings food. People take Uber. We're very safe about it and all that, but it is really, really fun and has grown. I think we had 10 people the first year, so all these have. So that is really what it's all about now. You know, it's a conduit for that type of thing. I'm assuming the calendar is on your website that will include yep. always and different our activities. Typically, What's Facebook Okay. Is, is our way we send it out everything and we do that and so you can you can see that on our, our calendar and see what we've done and great pictures and all that well we will put that on our show notes for sure he is the author of quiet the noise he is the man behind formwell personal training and so many influences in this industry of group fitness personal training and what we would say is the new face, the new face of how people get together to get more serious about their fitness routine. You're seeing all kinds of cool things right in front of your very eyes. He's also a friend to D2 and I, and very much so to this community. We appreciate all that you're doing. I'm going to ask you to kind of have the last word before we go to a break. Okay. For someone who just needs a little bit of encouragement, who needs to take that first step to open the door for the first time, to start a consistent routine, maybe for the first time or maybe again. We talk about the Run ATL podcast and our responsibility of encouraging and empowering others. Mm -hmm. Would you take us to a break by doing just that with all your experience and all your foresight of what's next in fitness? Absolutely. Hey, guys, I mean, I think, you know, what we said before about overthinking it is the biggest problem people have. And I know it's hard to do. But sometimes you have to act first to get motivated later. Everybody is looking to be motivated or inspired to get started. I read this book that said, you know, they go out and they buy the best workout clothes and they set up the schedule and then they get the nutrition and then they join the gym that's $300 a month and then they never go. And so my whole thing is, guys, just just come in. We will take great care of you. First session is free. Mike, same thing. You know, we're going to just, we're going to hold your hand. It's a community. It's fun. Everybody is welcoming. Um, you know, I'm old enough to know the show Cheers. Uh, you guys remember that show? I okay. do. Okay, Absolutely. just checking. But everybody knows your name and that is really the way we are. And I think there are places like ours out there. And I think people are, stop looking at the internet, stop picturing what it's going to be like. And just, it can't hurt just to show up. So show up first worry about the motivation later. We'll give you the motivation for sure. That's awesome. And we'll be right back after this brief message. You've got the right shoe for you, but maybe you're still getting blisters and your feet aren't too happy. The source of your discomfort may be the socks you're wearing. Cotton is rotten. You need socks made from synthetic materials that wick away the moisture that can lead to blisters. Big Peach Running Company carries a variety of styles and brands, including Features, Belega, Swiftwick, and Njinji. Every sock is buy three, get one free. Mix and match brands and styles, it doesn't matter. You'll save 25% when you pick up four pairs of socks. Keep your feet happy and stock up on socks at Big Peach Running Company. And welcome back to the Run ATL Podcast. D2 words to live by, just show up. That will stick with me for quite some time, as Rami said more than once. We should pass that guidance and wisdom along to as many people as we can. Just show up. And it's not the first time we've heard just show up. If we go back to our friends at November Project. Yes, that is exactly right. So whether it's in a group setting like that with a personality that is as varied as the seasons are, or an individual like Rami who's been doing this as long and as consistently as he has, just show up. What an impact and what a difference it can make. That's right. And, you know, I still remember Rami and, you know, meeting him for the first time. It was when I signed up for my first 50K and, you know, we're hanging out at a brewery having a few beers the night before 
you know, my first 50K, and then he almost had me signed up for, you know, <laughs> the Georgia death race. And I think that's still one of his goals is to get me to sign up for that. So he would tell you right now, if he was still with us, you need to just show up at the start line of that particular endeavor. We'll see if that happens. We'll stay on you about doing it as we should stay on each other with that accountability that we know works so well. One thing that we're doing and that we're going to build on people who have certainly shown up. We've had a really favorable response to our conversation with Marshall Ulrich. Again, for those of you who have not yet heard that episode, not only do we encourage you to go back and listen to Marshall Ulrich to be inspired, not just by all he has done, but quite frankly, what is inside all of us to do. But he'll be at the Marietta Square in the Strand Theater on October 24th. All of the details are in the show notes. Certainly you can find them online. And it is a big deal to have him come to town. But that particular episode and the response that we've been given is there is a lot of interest, even for people who have no interest in doing an ultra marathon and learning more about what it takes to finish those types of events. So we've gone out and we found two people who we think we're going to have such an enjoyable conversation with, specifically David Carter, who finished this year's Badwater. That was an event we talked about with Marshall. Marshall's obviously been out there almost 20 times. This was David's first finish. So we're going to get the other side, somebody who did not have the kind of experience that Marshall did. We'll unpack his event and what it was like to be out there in 2018 in that blistering heat. And then we have a teammate of ours. And Jen from our Midtown store did Western States this year. That also is a 100-mile event in California. Two of California's best-known ultra distance events and we'll have two people together for our featured conversation that will be the next episode. So whether you have any interest in ultra marathoning or not, you will not want to miss that episode because it will fire your soul to just think, man, what we as human beings who stick with a routine are capable of really does know no boundary. That's right. And I mean, we've got a, our own little uh, ultra this weekend coming up. And by the time this airs, we will have uh, completed it. I know, Mike, you, you're, you're going to tackle, I believe this will be the fifth year. If I go back and check, it's five years of the Taurus and the Hare 50K. I believe that is correct. So we'll get 250K over those five years, assuming that finish lines are ours. And, and, and we'll have to let everybody know how it goes. We're putting ourselves out there. No guarantees, of course, but a perfect set up for the conversation with Jen and David. That's right. I'll be, uh, I'm actually not doing the 50K. I'm going back down. Well, not going back, but I'm, 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 I'm backing down to the 30K. You know, after four years of, of, of training, one of the things that I've realized is like, I'm never disciplined enough to get past 15 miles. And I go out and I do, you know, double the distance, you know, at, at this race. And then I feel miserable and I, and I just really struggle through it. And, and, and I've proven that I can accomplish the distance. So this year, I figured, you know, I'm going to, I'm not, you know, my training has been the exact same thing. Up maximum of 15 miles. I've done some back to back 10 to 12, 12 to 15, but, uh, but nothing that, uh, that I feel would get me prepared to do a 50K into PR. So I'm going to do a 30K. I think it'll be a strong 30K, uh, because, you know, as they say, the definition of insanity is just, doing the same thing over again and expecting different results. So this time, I'm changing things up. I expect different results uh, and to finish stronger and, and better uh, at a 30K distance. So we'll have a race report from each distance at that Tortoise and Hare 50 and 30K in Blue Ridge, Georgia. We'll bring that to you next episode along with Jen and David. Hopefully you also have something on the calendar, whether it's an official race or just a weekend activity or perhaps a week-long activity as D2 did very recently and inspired us to say, you know what, whether it's a staycation or whether it's getting away for a while, your fitness routine goes with you. What will also go with you, the Run ATL podcast, we're saying goodbye, but only for a short period of time in just two weeks. We'll be right back. In the meantime, as we always say, as we certainly mean, may your best miles be those covered on foot. 